0: Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. <laughs> Hey, welcome to this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. I'm your host, Mike McGarry, but I am only the host for a few minutes here in this special episode. So this episode is our last one of our first full year podcasting. And so we're getting ready to take the summer off, and you all know how summer youth ministry goes, and so that's the the case here as well. So this is our final episode, so we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, before our break. And I'm talking with Nick Hartman and Joseph Bradley again. And uh, welcome back to the podcast, guys. Um, I'm going to be handing it over to them to lead this conversation and put me on the hot seat for a change. So uh, Nick, I think you are starting us off with this. Uh, but first off, could you guys both introduce yourselves a little bit? And then Nick, you can start us with our, our opening question.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I am the student pastor at Sagam Baptist Church you? in Arkadelphia. Oh, sorry. I'm Joseph. <laughs> uh, I'm the student pastor at Second Baptist Church in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. So, Woo Pig. Um, I've been there for two and a half, coming up on three years there. Uh, I'm married and have a 14 uh, month old baby girl named Ruth. And that's pretty much it. All right.
2: Yeah. I am uh, Nick Hartman. I'm at Mount Carmel Baptist Church, the associate pastor of Students and Discipleship in Cross Plains, Tennessee, which if you've listened before or if this is your first time, it's north of Nashville. That's all you need to know. Um and I've been here as well coming up on two and a half years. Also married and have um a 10 11 month old daughter um who's almost turning 1. So um yeah. All right. That's
0: exciting. I guess I get to take it away here, Mike, don't I? Yeah. So, so you guys are now in control. I have one question to ask in in a little bit. Uh, Nick, you can tell me when I'm, when it's my turn to ask you guys my one question. Uh, the rest I am with fear and trembling turning over to you guys.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Mike, uh, you know, part of your podcasting, um, Appreciation is always starting a question to get to know your people a little better, and and they've gotten to know you a little bit. But, um, and I, you know, if you've answered this question before, I haven't heard it. So, um, I want to know what your first car was. If you've answered your first car, I want to know what your favorite car was. And then I want to know about your first accident.
0: Oh, gosh. Um, so my first car was my grandmother's car. Um, and it was a 1983 Chevrolet Caprice classic. It was like a a burgundy maroon. Um, and the first day I had it brought it to the gas station to fill up. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, I'm a man. Now I got a car. Um, I brought to the gas station. I couldn't figure out how to fill the gas tank. (laughs) So I had to (laughs) run over and ask the uh, attendant. Where, where does the gas go? Um, and he kind of chuckled, came out and showed me that the, the rear license plate tilted back and the gas fill, um, was behind the license plate. And so, um, some of you youngins might not know that's in, in a lot of the older cars. That's, that's where they'd put them. Um, so it was a large vehicle. Um, but it had a V8 engine. So it, you had to take wide turns and you felt like you were just sailing on a canoe through the lane. Um, but man, when there was a straight ahead, it could, it could, it could move. So yeah, that was, that was a fun one. And my first car accident, um, I think, My first car accident was not with that one, um, but was with a a Pontiac Grand Am that I had. And uh, the choice was either hit the truck in front of me or get hit by a train because the train train crossing rails that went down to say like, hey, don't cross the tracks right now. um, They had gone up as my wife and I, who were just dating at the time. We turned onto the street, saw the, the lights turn off, and the, the gate went up, and then we were going across the tracks, and then realized that uh, the, the gate went up prematurely, and the train was barreling towards us. And I was still at fault, because anytime you rear-end, you're to blame. So yeah, that was, that was a fun one, but we survived, mm. so here we are. Wow. Wow. She still married you too. Yeah, yes, yeah, she did. She did. Well, I saved her life, so you know. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> yeah. That, we got a little angel yeah. of death situation yeah. going on there.
0: <laughs> All right, so um, I'm going to ask you guys one question, and then uh, you can you can jump in and and take over. So my question for you guys is, as kind of early adopters of of Youth Pastor Theologian, you guys have been around and um, theoretically read um, at least most of the articles and listened to uh, a number of the podcasts and everything. Um, Youth Pastor Theologian recently celebrated our second birthday, which is super exciting. And um, are there... Could could you maybe just highlight one, maybe two, uh, either articles or podcasts or anything else from Youth Pastor Theologian that really stands out for you as something that was uh, that something that you read or listened to and thought like, okay, like this is this is
1: really helpful. Yeah, I uh, I was thinking about one the other day actually. Uh, it was an article. It's not too far back, but it probably was a year ago. Uh, that I think it was Robin Barfield did um, on, I think it was called the posture of Mm -hmm. the youth pastor. And one of the things I know for me early on in youth ministry, uh, a a lot of the resources and advice and things that I got was on what you're supposed to do for youth ministry. And it wasn't really about like, what, what should the character of a youth pastor look like? And so Robin Barfield kind of used Ezekiel 34 as a foil for his article and talked about good and bad shepherds I thought that was super helpful just because like I was saying, most of the resources that you see in youth ministry in particular are not really aimed at what is the like criteria spiritually for someone wanting to do Mm -hmm. youth ministry. It's usually here's strategies for how to teach or it's here's some, uh, you know, some leadership, you know, uh, resources that we've got that'll help you be a better leader. But there's very few that's like, no, as a, if youth pastors really are pastors, these are the kind of criteria you should be using to judge yourself yeah. and see, Hey, like are my intentions is my focus in youth ministry on the right yeah. thing. So Excellent I thought that article. was super helpful. Yeah, personally. I love Rob.
0: Every time I get a submission from Robin, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a good one. All right, Nick.
2: Yeah. For me, it was the discipleship as catechesis by Dustin Messer episode in February. Um, I really thought that was a valuable episode and, um, really helpful in, in thinking about the catechetical nature of discipleship and how repetition brings um establishment you know whether it's intentional you know catechesis by reading and responding or whether it's you know a little bit more of yeah. a, um, um intentional memorization so i thought that was a was a was a, a good podcast for Youth pastors to think about how young people and and even uh, those in their their care can uh, can really latch on to and, and memorize and, and participate in, in theological
0: um, growth. Yeah, awesome, cool. So uh, I will link both of those uh, resources in the show notes below. So if anyone's listening, and oh, I have I I must have missed that one. So you can hop on to the show notes. And find those there. So all right, guys, the show is yours. I don't know what questions are coming my way. So I will preface. Um I'll preface my awkward Good. stumbling through answers uh that's how we, with, that's with how that we disclaimer. Like so yeah. what do you guys got? Yeah.
1: All right. Let's let's start off with a real easy one. Uh, if you had to pin down what you think your biggest success. And your biggest failure since you have become a youth pastor is, is something that comes to mind when you're thinking, okay, what's something that I'm really <laughs> proud that I've done? Okay. What's something uh, that The train wreck is a lot wreck? easier to think what about. What would you say?
0: Um, so, yeah, I think my, my train wreck was a number of years back when I first kind of started coming around to fr- understanding what gospel-centered youth ministry is and what that means and looks like. Um, I, I don't think I really was ever like full-blown attractional. Um, I I've always been a, a more nerdy and theologically minded uh youth worker. Um, but when when I really wanted to be kind of more gospel-centered and and word-centered and, and everything, um, I met with my leaders at the end of the school year, um, had a, a, a youth leader retreat, and we talked through some things that I'd been working through and thinking about. And then they were kind of like, okay, well, what would that look like? So we mapped out uh, what that could look like in our youth ministry on a uh, big whiteboard. And they said, okay, so what's stopping us from doing that? I said, well, I guess I don't know. So I said, okay, well, let's do it. I said, okay, great. Um, So over the course of the summer, we... I'd been in my church for about seven or eight years by that point, um and we literally like blew up the entire youth ministry and started over from scratch um at the beginning of the next school year and it was just way too much change all at once, just so many layers of confusion and miscommunication and um. Yeah, it's like text literally textbook example of how not to lead change in your ministry. And I knew that, but I was like, but my leaders were behind this. Like they're the ones who said, let's do it. Um but yeah, it still just it, it did not go well. And I, I stayed for another four or five years, but the ministry still never really fully recovered from such drastic change all at once. So that was a, a mistake, um, and I think one thing that I have done well is at my at my former church and at my current church, just um, trying to embody youth ministry is real ministry. Youth ministry is pastoral ministry. Youth ministry is theological ministry. The things that that you hear coming out in um, youth pastor theologian uh, really. Just come out from the way that I view the role of the youth pastor, um, in the local church and not wanting to get uh, n- more than not wanting to get just refusing to be locked in the youth room, metaphorically speaking and, and f- literally speaking too, but you know, metaphorically speaking, to be locked in the youth room, I think a lot of that happens to a lot of, of youth pastors. And, um, so I- in ways that that's easy. To, to do, and in some ways that are kind of pushing some boundaries, um, patiently and just over the course of consistency and, uh, the long haul, um, showing that, yeah, youth ministry is real pastoral ministry. I'm, I'm pretty proud
1: of that. Good. Yeah, that's great. And we'll actually, we're going to come back to that thought of <laughs> it, the youth pastor and real ministry in just a sec, but Nick, why don't you go ahead and take over?
2: Yeah. Um, Man, you know, right now you're 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 making that transition to being a pastor to student pastors a little bit, um, as we've talked through. But in ministry, and as you've dealt with uh, people who are both like-minded and not so like-minded, how have you navigated those relationships? How have you tried to be the um, the positor of change, I guess, um, slash, you know, really just helping. Other youth pastors understand what gospel-centered, theologically driven youth ministry looks like, as well as yeah. just pouring into relationships in student ministry.
0: Um. So you're uh, clarifying questions. So you're yep. not talking necessarily within my church, but kind of within the networks of other yeah. youth workers, like in your my network area. of youth
2: pastors. Uh, I mean, uh, youth pastors are listening to this. Yeah. They have people around them yeah. that they have varying relations with in their community. And in their context, so how yeah. have you dealt with that?
0: Um, yeah. So I, I am. I'm from Massachusetts. Um, that's where I still live and, and serve. And so, if you find a church who has a full time youth worker, youth pastor, youth director, whatever the title is, um, and they affirm. Things like the Apostles' Creed, and they preach the gospel. um, That's a really rare and special (laughs) thing to find. So, uh, from what I've gathered in other parts of the country, like there are towns who, like, how many youth pastors are in your town? Like in my area, it's how many youth pastors live within a 45 minute drive of you. And it's usually just a handful of. Evangelical gospel believing youth youth pastors, so the that means that we are far more likely to partner together in ministry, um, even despite our differences and disagreements, um, than it, it sounds like in other areas where you can be um, a little bit more exclusive in wh- what youth groups do you choose to partner with and everything, and I yeah so I, I think that's shaped um me in in some pretty significant ways for just saying okay like we we're allowed to disagree with our our youth ministry friends, aren't we like but we have a lot more in common as gospel people um than we do just because we have different views on um, soteriology and women in ministry and baptism, and you know, these, these other things that doesn't mean that they're unimportant differences. Um, but I just know in my community, it's, um, we need to come alongside and encourage each other genuinely, not just like to use each other, but to actually come alongside and, and pray for each other to know what's going on in each other's families and in our churches um to to laugh with each other to make fun of each other right the the love language of sarcasm is strong in new england um and so yeah just just loving each other as friends um and as as brothers and sisters in christ um and then you know as, as we're able to depending on how far apart our churches are um how can we partner together because there there have been times when I've had kids in my youth group who go to you know school X and then this, this other youth worker um, has one or two kids who also go to school X and both of those kids feel like they're the only Christians in the entire school um, and they might be they might well be the only Christians in the school but at least now by partnering our youth groups together now they know that there are two Christians in their school, not just one.
1: Yeah, that, that's awesome. Oh. I, I, I appreciate that. And that's something I know me and Nick are both kind of in um, small town context. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, the dynamics that can play out depending on where you're at geographically, right? How even youth ministry relations can work. I think that's uh, yeah. super interesting. Uh, I wanted to circle back to something you said earlier. Uh, and it's something that if you've been in the YPT circles for a while. You, you've heard this kind of thrown around. You made the comment about youth pastors being locked in the youth room, um, <laughs> literally, literally and figuratively. But there is this always kind of umbrella hanging over student ministry, where maybe maybe it's cultural, maybe it's just respective churches, where how they view yeah. what the youth pastor does may look a lot different than yeah. what what we, we feel called to. So how have you navigated in your churches that what are the ways that you have, like you said, pushed back a little bit on that concept? Do you feel like you're just constantly having to correct people or is it more subtle and just, you continue to do the things pastors do regardless of what other people say? Like, how has that played out for you in your churches? Yeah.
0: Um, that's a good question. So it's more, um, in my churches, it's been very subtle um, because they've both been churches. I mean, I, I've been a youth pastor for 18 years. My first church, I was there for 14. I've been at this current church for, for four. Um, and I mean, even when I was 25-year-old, brand new youth pastor, fresh out of seminary, um, the pastor put me in the preaching rotation. Um, I was given the title of, Um, pastor of, uh, pastor of student ministries. Um, and so it, from, from the very beginning, I was given the ability and freedom to serve as a pastor to students. Um, and so when I, when I preached, it wasn't just a youth sermon. Um, I preached in whatever was up next in the sermon series. Um, and, it was, I mean, for New England, it's a, a, a large-ish church of 250 people. And, um, you know, so it's a large enough church that there were two pastors and small enough church that they needed me to do more than just lead the youth ministry. And so as issues came up in families and for other counseling situations and since I was part of leading in uh, the corporate worship, Every Sunday whether or not I was preaching or um, giving the announcements and the pastoral prayer um, they I, I was up front and I was leading in pastoral ministry um, so I, I was getting to know people and, and that's continued at my current church as well of just being part of the normal worship service um, and advocating to 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 do that to have that role um, And so in my, my current church is a larger church than, than my other one. So it just changes a little bit when you're in a larger context. Um, But still um, attending elders meetings, having something thoughtful to say about the youth ministry and advocating for the youth ministry, but not only advocating for the youth ministry and not only talking about the youth ministry. So it's like, if if you only ever talk about the youth ministry, and if you only ever preach about youth ministry and passing the faith to the next generation, then people will think that's all you can do. And so as much as you can, um, you know, write for the church newsletter or um, you know help preach for sunrise service for Easter, like help carry the pastoral load in your church to show people that you are a pastor, um, that you are competent to lead and to preach and to counsel, um, to provide pastoral care, um, make hospital visitations, um, ask questions and be thoughtful a, a thoughtful listener. Um, and so one thing, but just one practical thing that I encourage youth workers to do on Sunday mornings um, during the fellowship time that I think most churches have at some point. Um, hopefully, you're seeing teenagers not just during that time. So spend that time talking with parents and whether with other adults in the church. If when the church gathers and when they're just kind of hanging out together as a church body, if they only see you talking to the teenagers, they're going to think that you only know how to talk to teenagers. Mm. Yeah,
1: that's good. All right, Nick, you're up. What do we got next?
2: Yeah, um, man, Mike, you've alluded to 18 years in student ministry. Uh, That is obviously not the norm of people being in student ministry. Um, and, and, And we're seeing more of that, I think, you know, well, that's one of the things that the youth pastor theologian community has has brought to, you know, my attention. It's like, hey, there are a lot of um, strong, long-lasting student pastors, partly because they're treated as a pastor and not a student pastor. It's not a stepping stone. It is a pastoral position. Yeah. Um, but yeah. another thing is that they have encouragement from people around them and they're, you know, like they know where their area of, a mission is right now um and continues to be so how would you advise a you know and you got two of them right here uh you know who have been in student ministry for less than six years um to yeah. be encouraged in the daily uh to sustain longer um and for those who might need some encouragement now, what would your words be to them um as they as they seek kind of that pursuit of student ministry.
0: Um yeah, I don't think I have anything super profound or brilliant on that. I think it's really just um, you know, don't do ministry alone. Um, you know, as much as you're able to share fellowship with within your church and within a network of other youth workers. Um in your community, whether or not you're in a church in a community with lots of youth pastors around or if you have to drive a little bit to to get there or if you have to find an online community of youth pastors, um, just don't do youth ministry alone um, because there have been um, a, a number of years ago my friend my good friend Dan um, made the observation um, in March that Every winter, I feel like quitting. And he was right. You know, and, and there was this, this routine of, like, every March, I was like, I'm, I don't think I can do this anymore. He's like, Mike, like you get discouraged every February. And then we get together, and February, March rolls around, and you're like, you know, winter blues, and then, you know, March, April come around, and... All of a sudden, youth groups at half the attendance that it was during full swing, and the calendar just gets weird, and you get super just funky, and you just need to recognize <laughs> that uh, this this we've had this conversation the last three years. And if I didn't have someone like him who could tell me things like that, I don't know if I. I don't know how much I would have lasted or how long I would have endured. Um, you know, would I have just lost it and said something brash um, in in a meeting, and then just uh, I, I. I don't know. But you need people who know you well enough, um, who they they get your context and they get you, um, and that takes a certain measure of commitment from you to. Pursue and to find those people, um, whether they're real people in your town or in your broader community, or whether or not they're digital people um, who you meet with, kind of like, like we have, right? Just like I, I think we're real friends, but we've only been together in person once. But thanks to the way that social media and FaceTime and Zoom and everything is nowadays, you can actually have real friendships. Um, But it takes more work, and it takes some vulnerability of you being willing to be honest and open with people. So I I think that's not a super profound answer, Nick. Um, But yeah, that's been the game changer for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I think that's also easier said than done, I think is the hard part. Because when you start... You yeah. know, if you have someone that's also a youth pastor that you think you, you would click with, and then you realize that, well, they see their role is completely different than you. So they don't always understand your struggles, right? That you you start like yeah. almost inadvertently creating walls that can hinder that. But yeah,
0: I, I yeah. Or, or you think they have their act together <laughs> and I'm just right. a
1: train wreck, right? Well,
0: so I don't want to get yep. found out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So here's one uh, that I wanted to ask you, because like we said, you're, you're a man of experience at this point <laughs> in youth ministry, uh, but with all of the like cliches, the, the negative views of youth ministry, some people think youth ministry shouldn't even exist, right? We, we've talked about this kind of thing before. Um, if you yeah. were trying to encourage someone or recruit someone to become a youth pastor, what would be your pitch? Because it seems like most of the time when we talk youth ministry, it's negative. And even it's like the joke of, you know, you're not going to make much and yeah. nobody's going to understand you. And, you know, it's, it's that stepping stone is, is how it's viewed by many people. So why would anyone become a youth pastor now? Like if you were trying to sell them on the merits of becoming a youth worker, whether that's full-time, part-time, what would be your pitch?
0: Um... It wouldn't be very slick. I can tell you that. Um, honestly, it would be conflicted. I would, say, I would intentionally give them conflicting messages. Um, on one hand, I would tell them, if you can do something else, then do something else. Because youth ministry is hard, um, and it's going to be really discouraging, and there are going to be times when you feel like, I don't know why I'm even mm-hmm. doing this. Um, and so if you're doing this because you think it sounds like sexy and romantic and like really fun and I get to just like play dodgeball and eat pizza with kids and, uh, I'm just going to like, you know, have such an impact on the next generation. Like, like it, all the, all the awesome parts of youth ministry, um, they're real, but being a youth pastor is about so much more than that. So, if you're going into youth ministry because of all the awesome stuff, um, I would just say, like, just have, have some reality check. Um, at the same time, I would say, um, man, like, what other area of ministry in the church has such a long term generational impact than youth ministry? Uh, like if you really want to change the culture, then if you really want to change the church, like the face of the church, then disciple students and evangelize students and um lead a rich, robust evangelistic gospel preaching disciple making ministry because like we can we can send out all the seminary grads as church planters and missionaries all we want and i'm i'm for those things i'm not anti um but man like if we just keep planting more churches but we're losing the next generation then what are we doing and i just i don't think that you can be a healthy church who's neglecting your biblical mandate to pass the faith to the next generation and that can look like a lot of different things, I think we've talked about that, that YPT quite a bit, Um, you can have a really strong youth ministry without having a youth group. Um, But you gotta have a youth ministry. Like, you gotta have a children's ministry. You gotta have um, mature, theologically shaped, um, competent leaders in your, youth and children's yep. ministries.
1: Yeah, that's. I, I, yeah, I think it's really helpful. And one of the things, I, I heard someone uh, say this, I forget who it was uh, online a couple of weeks ago that was saying, you know, church finding and everything is great, but who are going to be your church members in 20 years? That was kind of the idea is, well, if, yeah. if all of your attendance is yep. 45 and above, then in 20 years, what are you left with? And so, yeah, I think that's helpful is just exactly. remembering yeah, long-term impact, youth ministry is a big deal because it also, and you've even phrased it this way, where you're not wanting to make teenage disciples, you're wanting to make long-term, lifelong disciples whose faith takes root in their teen years. So they start early and they're able to grow and mature over time, but it's not just isolated to, well, they had this huge amount of growth in this limited period, right? You're setting them up foundationally for something that's going to continue. All right, so Nick, I think, We've got time for one more good question. Why don't you close us out? I know we've both been wanting to know this one for a while, so go ahead. Uh-oh. Yeah.
2: And, uh, and if you've made it this far and are continuing to listen, you if you're like, man, they haven't talked about theological youth ministry or any of that, all you have to do is type in Mike McGarry on any Spotify or Apple podcast, and you'll find all of his biblical theology all of his podcasts that are that are rooted in that, but we haven't had the chance I don't think Mike has had the chance to to share a little bit about his experience in his life and what the Lord's done and so that's really what we wanted to do here. So my last question is related to this season of transition for you as you go from student pastor to pastor to student pastors um, from full time youth ministry to serving in as as the director of youth pastor theologian. Um, man, tell us a little bit about that transition. Uh, tell us, you know, what has been the biggest takeaway so far as you've made this transition? And I'm sure in a year it'll change, but you know, what, what have you learned about going from full-time church ministry to bivocational church ministry to now fundraising and committed to, you know, a ministry that serves the church? Um, what have you learned?
0: Uh, um, Two things immediately come to mind. Um, one is the bivocational ministry is really, really hard. Um, and so to all you part time, uh, bivocational youth workers out there, um, my appreciation and respect for you <laughs> has exponentially increased over the last few months. Um, so yeah, it's just it's really hard uh, to feel like there are just so many things that I am not able to do currently. Um, And especially where I have been full-time, so I have been able to do those things, and now I can't. Um, That's been hard. Uh, I have an amazing team of youth leaders who are picking up a lot of slack, um, but delegating is hard and feels like failure sometimes when you feel like you're the one who's supposed to be doing it. Um, And so I've had to learn, um, and I've had to admit my sinful desire for control and to be the one in charge, but I just don't have that time right now anymore. And so needing to give up control, needing to delegate and to empower, even if something would be planned differently or done differently or taught differently than if I was the one doing it, um, yeah, that's been, that's been hard, but sanctifying because it has uncovered <laughs> uh, things that, that are not always very fun to recognize about yourself. Um, one of the positive things that I've learned is that in in the last few months, I mean, I've, I think I've talked about this a few times, but I mean, I've heard from youth workers all around the country. Um, I've talked to, uh, pastors in, in Cuba and Mexico and Singapore and Brazil and Germany and Scotland, Ireland, England, Austria, <laughs> Canada. Like it's crazy. Like, something something is happening in the world of youth ministry that is something like a a theological renaissance of people realizing um we need more theological resources uh we need to pursue theological depth and i think that even though we might look around and hear people say that and kind of skeptically think, well, what they mean by that isn't what I mean by that. But hey, you know what? At least they're talking about it. Not everyone needs to pursue theological depth the way that I personally think that should look like in my own ministry. But isn't it a wonderful thing that more people are talking about the need for theological depth in ministry, even if we don't all completely agree what that should look like like it's a conversation that really hasn't been happening for a long time um and now it is and that is super encouraging um yeah so i i think there's a lot more good youth ministry happening than what we recognize um because you know just like good news doesn't sell and get attention, bad news does. Um, I think it's kind of the same. Um, I think there are lots of good youth ministries out there and lots of faithful, theologically shaped youth workers out there who are just doing their thing faithfully and they're not being noticed because they're not trying to be. They're just trying to disciple students and call the lost to Christ. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? And so by, by leading youth pastor theologian and, and trying to get the word out there, um, I think they're starting to to find this ministry and kind of go, "Oh, hey, like uh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, hey, I'm doing this thing and that thing, and uh, we're, we're kind of finding each other, and I'm just yeah, I'm really encouraged um, and optimistic about what's coming up yeah. ahead. so.
1: That's that's awesome, and that's great to hear, because I know for, for a lot of our listeners out there, student ministry is hard, and it seems like a lot of times uh, that no one knows what you're going through, or that you're the only one trying to do this kind of slow, under-the-radar, faithful discipleship of students. But it's encouraging to hear that not only nationwide, but even worldwide, there there is this renaissance of people wanting yeah. to get back to... Yeah, are we are we giving our students the the foundations that are going to set them up for long term maturing faith? And so I think that's super encouraging, and I think that means that we're out of time for officially for for this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian podcast. But Mike, thank you so much for sitting in the hot seat for a little bit and letting uh, Nick and I grill you with questions that. <laughs> we uh we wanted to hear about hope these have been helpful uh for you as you just kind of reflect on your own time in youth ministry but also for our listeners out there uh keep following ypt man there there's already great content and things that are that are coming out of that but there's a lot more coming down the pipe and i know mike you've got lots of ideas moving forward and so we're excited about where this is going and uh looking forward to hearing more from you as, uh, we get deep into the summer and and planning long-term.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. I, I I so appreciate both of you and, um, not just what you've contributed to youth pastor theologian, uh, but for your friendship. And it's just really encouraging, um, as someone who, who tends to be a bit crusty (laughs) and, uh, skeptical and um, critical of, of things to, to have some, some younger brothers, um, who are just doing really wonderful ministry. Um, so you guys have really buoyed me up, um, over these last few years and I'm really thankful for you. Um, and so for our listeners, um, youth pastor theologians desire is to serve and to partner with you and with your churches. Um, a few ways you can, uh, do that and partner with us is, uh, subscribe to the website. Uh, not just to our social media feeds. I'll, obviously, we want you to do that too. Um, but to subscribe to the website to make sure that you're really in the communication stream. Uh, there's some message messages that we send out there that don't go out, um, over social media. So if you really want, uh, the full scoop of the, the YPT family, uh, make sure you subscribe on the website, uh, to that, that email list. Um, uh, as I start to lead youth pastor theologian full time, one of the things I'm going to be doing more and more is speaking at retreats and doing church presentations, workshops, youth leader trainings, um, speaking at conferences, things like that. So, if you're ever looking for a speaker for a DNL or for a, a retreat or anything like that, or if you're looking to host some workshops at your church. Um, you know, we'd be happy to, to talk with that. And if that's not something I'm able to do, then uh, I'd be happy to, to connect you with one of our, um, YPT contributors to, uh, maybe help you get connected with one of them to come and and speak for you too. So yeah, lots of, lots of things coming down the pipeline that we're really excited, uh, to be able to share with you when the time is right. Uh, I wish that time was right now, uh, but not quite yet. So, um, yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of good things coming down from, from YPT. Uh, but thanks for listening to the podcast. Thank you for doing really um, good, faithful, humble youth ministry and um, for keeping your eyes on Christ yourself and for leading others to him. So thanks for listening. And we will see you at the beginning of next school year. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, Keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week.